Chris Ellison-led Mineral Resources is suing a former procurement manager over allegations he collected secret commissions and misused the mining giant's confidential information. In its federal court statement of claim, Minres says former group sourcing manager Stephen Pagozzo breached his duties to act in good faith and not place himself in a situation where there would be a conflict of interest. The mining giant claims the former manager earned secret commissions while working for the company and failed to exercise the loyalty he agreed to under the terms of his employment contract. Further, the company claims that Mr Pagozzo breached his duty not to misuse its confidential information. Mr Pagozzo was sacked back in January based on the allegations contained within the statement of claim. Now, Minrez wants damages for the alleged breaches of contract as well as compensation interest costs and any other orders the court sees fit. Minrez is also seeking orders for its alleged losses to be accounted for by Mr Pagozzo. The former manager, who is being represented by Sydney-based Harmer's Workplace Lawyers, told Business News he denied the allegations and intended to file a counterclaim against Minrez and Mr Ellison personally. He alleged the legal action was retaliation for two actions he claimed he pursued against the company with the Fair Work Commission. And Prime Minister Anthony Albanese will head to Perth on Saturday to thank the people who gave him support before flying to Indonesia to reset relations with Jakarta. Addressing his first Labor caucus meeting since the May 21 election victory, Mr Albanese confirmed he would lead a majority government with the inner city Melbourne seat of McNamara having been retained by Labor's Josh Burns. In WA, the Labor Party won the seats of Swan, Hasluck, Pearce and Tackney from the Liberals, giving them nine out of the 15 federal seats here. The once Liberal stronghold of Curtin fell to independent Kate Cheney. Mr Albanese became emotional at times during the caucus meeting while recommitting to implementing the Uluru Statement from the Heart and establishing a national anti-corruption body. And in other news, Active Foundation is calling for about $36 million in government funding to cover the cost of operating its supported employment work sites for the next three years to help its employees transition to new opportunities. In mid-May, news broke that Active was closing seven of its large-scale industrial work sites in July, a move that affects more than 700 supported employees and their families. At the time, Active said the decision was made due to inadequate funding from the federally funded National Disability Insurance Scheme and community expectations to shift away from supported employment environments. Active Foundation Chief Executive Michael Heath said operating large supported employment worksites had become untenable due to the way the service was funded under the NDIS. As the biggest supported employer in the state, Mr Heath said Active had been affected by the change in funding more so than other organisations organisations offering similar work options. According to a letter sent to employees last week, Active approached the federal and state governments for financial support to help it wind down its work sites prior to announcing the closure. No assistance, however, was forthcoming. However, both the state government and the newly elected federal government have since expressed they would consider helping Active sites remain open. You have a thought. Most people ignore that thought. End story here. Or you could explore it, collaborate, feel welcome, find a quiet spot, find a loud spot, find your own spot. Be you. Oh. Form your own opinion. Get inspired by moments around you. Plan to make your plans come to life. 
and then change the whole world or some of the world or just your world so don't ignore that thought this is free thinking Inflation is a massive problem at the moment. In Perth, in the March quarter, in the 12 months to March, we saw a 7.6% increase in CPI, which is massive. I don't think we've had an increase that big in a very long time. And obviously, as a result of that, we've seen renewed pressure on wages, upwards pressure, uh, particularly in the public sector, where wages have been capped at 2.75%. Gary, you've gone to the soapboxes themselves for our latest edition, and you've spoken to the union leaders about this very issue. Yeah, it's uh, certainly on their mind. Uh, The budget came down, state budget. Obviously, the uh, headline was the $5.7 billion surplus. But on the steps of Parliament after the budget was handed down uh, were a group of union leaders, um, sort of spearheaded by Unions WA, Owen Whittle. And uh, they had some extraordinary comments to say about the budget and about where they see the McGowan government going wrong when it comes to public sector wages. In a nutshell... The budget forecasts are for inflation to drop to around 2.5% in the next uh, couple of years. That completely contradicts what we're hearing from the federal government now, the new Labor federal government, who are using words like skyrocketing inflation rates. So here's the question. The unions have been asked again to accept the 2.75% maximum wage uh, for the public sector. Uh, They have to either accept that or possibly negotiate other conditions in their agreements. But nevertheless, the cap is at 2.75%. In the run-up to the la- you know, to this last budget, we've had caps of $1,000, $1,000, $1,000. So the unions are saying, no, we're not going to accept this dictatorship on wages policy anymore. Why should the government be able to just dictate a figure and we have to accept it? The unions are saying this budget was a kick in the guts, that's their words, to uh, the public sector workers and the workforce. They're not going to cop it. Uh, They are planning some form of action. I don't know whether it's industrial action, but they are saying that the government needs to end its ability to arbitrarily state what the wages will be in the public sector and do it like everyone else, sit down at the table and discuss wages before they set a figure. That's what they're looking at doing, and uh, from the conversations I've had with union leaders, they are very serious about it, and there's a whole raft of negotiations, uh, pay agreements to be looked at in coming months, and so it will get interesting. So it seems as if the state school teachers are the only uh, union to have accepted this increase. That's right. There's something like, uh, they are. They have got an agreement in principle. Now, that that is obviously the 2.75. They've accepted that, but they have got some other conditions in and around workforce as well. So they have copped that. They've accepted it, but they are the only ones. There are 11 negotiations ongoing right now, agreements ongoing, and then there's a further 11 to be dealt with by June 2023. So there's a whole raft of them, including the nurses, uh, including uh, main roads workers, uh, the miscellaneous public sector employees. There's a whole bunch of people that are not according to their unions, going to cop the mandatory 2.75. And I think the thing that astonishes me the most is these aren't militant unions. This isn't the MUA or the CFMEU. These are mostly cosmopolitan left unions representing white-collar workers. So when you talk about industrial action, that seems like quite a drastic step. Yeah, it would. But uh, Owen Whittle said that that'll be left up to union to union to make those decisions. But we have seen in the past that when unions do get together and put on a show, 
at Parliament House, uh, they can have an impact. You know, for those that have been around a while, they'll all remember the third wave protest where the union, some 35,000 people, um, over the course of months occupied Parliament and, uh, you know, literally built their own embassy across the road, which still stands, the workers' embassy. Uh, they were extraordinary scenes, the occupation of Parliament, because they didn't like legislation that they said would do away with some union rights. So they, they did it and they had a victory. And of course, at the next election, uh, the government was turfed out. Uh, the Liberal government was turfed out. Now, obviously, the question for everyone is, will the unions take on a Labor government? because we all know that in the offices of the Premier and Minister's offices are union figures. Uh, the left of the union basically can run, run cabinet. Uh, you know, most of the cabinet members hail from the left. Will they have a crack? It sounds like it. It sounds like they've got to a point where they either get a result on ending the arbitrary setting of wages by government or they will take some form of industrial action. And I've said this before on this podcast, but I certainly remember the days of Gallup and Carpenter where the school teachers, when I was in primary school, were taking industrial action and that was, again, against a Labor government. Yeah, it can happen. And I know that leading up to the 2017 election, for example, CPSU, the CSA, the Public Sector White Collar Workers Union, they were, um, they were really... Uh, hitting the Barnett government hard in the lead up to that 27 election, 2017 election because they were saying that uh, under a, a, a reinstalled um, Barnett government there would be um, cuts across the public sector and wages would be frozen. Well, guess what? Uh, in came Mark McGowan and he did that. And I remember one moment, I think it was just after the election, that he said he was going to take, quote, this is Mark McGowan, I'm going to take, quote, a machete to the public sector. Now, that's when a line was drawn from the CPSU, CSA. They started a very quick campaign uh, with the words, you lost us at Machete. And it sent a message to the Premier. But nevertheless, he pushed on and got his cap on wages. But look, if, if you've got a federal Labor government that are saying that the inflation is just going to continue to skyrocket, whereas our budget is su- suggesting that inflation is going to come way back down, uh, someone's wrong. Uh, the union's WA boss, Owen Whittle, thinks it's the McGowan government that's wrong. He says their projections are way off the mark and that uh, cost of living pressures, uh, low wages are going to continue to be an issue and so they're going to take it up to the government. Absolutely. Gary, thanks so much. No problem. This podcast was brought to you by Optus Stadium. Now taking orders for your next breakfast or lunch meeting. If you like what you've heard, head to our Spotify page to like and subscribe. New episodes of At Close of Business are available every day in time for our afternoon wrap. I'm Jordan Murray. See you tomorrow.